All right, welcome everybody to another episode of The Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels, and we are gearing up for a new year, 2024, but still a lot on the football docket. Uh, college football is down to one game left. There's one week in the NFL season left. Got my expert on the show right now to recap all the wild stuff and ring in the new year properly. Brennan Smith calling in from Utah. Brennan, good to catch up always. Happy New Year and uh, a lot to digest on the gridiron. Happy New Year to you too, man. We're running into 2024 like Jalen Milrow ran into his offensive line. So, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, well, let's just rip the Band-Aid off first as a notorious Michigan <laughs> hater on this. They definitely deserve to win that game. Uh, there's a lot to break down, and it's – well, I start with, I guess, this, the bigger picture, Brennan. Isn't it funny how both playoff games kind of started, I wouldn't say sloppy, but maybe drama-free, and then you kind of just ramped up into some drama at the end? Yeah, it's, it's made for TV, man. I mean, that's, that is the most – I think, for me, the most memorable semi in the history of the playoffs so far, and obviously, mm. like, mm. both those games just close down to the wire to the very end nail biters that's exactly what you want out of yeah. a 14 playoff i might push back with just georgia oklahoma i, mean, I hadn't thought about oh, this sure. so that's like the only one but you're you're right it's in that ballpark and you know there's different ways to look at it i guess from the start of that alabama michigan game the first thing that kind of stood out was just the chaos of starting and we almost thought we were going to see another michigan meltdown early with the pick that was called back and then the special teams issues but from that first you know drive on that alabama scored michigan for the better part of the you know the rest of the first half and even for much of the second half looked like they were the better team and they were physical up front. I think that was the first thing we kind of wondered, Brennan, was given how Michigan's schedule wasn't the hardest and what's happening to the Big Ten and some of these bowl games. I know everyone's not playing, but there were still some doubts there. And Michigan, for the most part, answered the bell and at least kept themselves in it given you know what was happening and some of their offensive struggles. It's exactly what you said, man. It's it's strange to see an Alabama team kind of dominated on the front seven uh, on both sides, honestly. Like, that offensive line and Blake Corum kind of leaned on them up front, and then there was the guys were winning one-on-one for Michigan to kind of keep Milrow off of his timing. And um, it's, it's just, obviously, we're coalescing these conferences. These teams are moving around, and um, – it's it's going to be a different landscape next year, but it was fun to see four teams, one from the SEC, one from the Big Ten, one from the Pac-12, one from the Big 12, at least as it currently yeah. stands, go toe-to-toe <laughs> because this has been so SEC-heavy for so long. Yeah. That it was awesome to watch Michigan kind of play the Alabama game and, and beat them at their own game. Yeah, and it was almost the classic Bama winning a game with, I don't want to say have no business in, but you know, a game where they're punched around and Saban's calling card to me is just stay calm, stay around, hang around, and then find a way to make plays late. And they were on that track. And a lot of that had to do with special teams, which we just say too, like, you know, if Michigan would have lost that game, the first thing we're saying is how important special teams is and how that was the one area, the only area where they got thoroughly dominated last night. And it feels like, uh, you know, we always talk about hashtag college kickers, but it's like college returners, especially uh, in was, these late games. It was everything, situations. though, right? Like, it was, it was yeah, returners. Yeah. It was a bet. It was this, you know, I know there's a snap problems in Bama's side, but it was the, the extra point that wasn't held. It was kind of an right. interesting snap right. on the one he rushed. It was running into the punter that they didn't call. I mean, there was just disarray everywhere for them. <laughs> just chaos. I mean. Yeah, you know the Rose Bowl brings the best yeah, and the does. worst out of you. That's a big skate stage. It's the flyover and the sunset yeah. and the stories there, man. And it yeah. it was, uh, you know, it's 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 fun to see 
you know, I, I didn't think that uh, having Bama in the Rose Bowl, obviously, it's such a classic Big Ten Pac-12 <laughs> matchup, but yeah. they delivered, man. I mean, it, it was it was a blast. It was, uh, yeah, Alabama not being able to snap the ball was very weird. And, you know, you mentioned that last yeah. touchdown, the fourth down play. I watched the all twenty two camera angle online today. I, I saw Tim Hasselbeck's breakdown. If that snap is better, there's a chance that it's a touchdown, either a run wide or a throw. Uh, so again, it's the little things that add up to all these big things. But you have to give credit to JJ McCarthy in that final drive because, like a lot of people, I thought the game was not over, but I thought they were weakened given the sense that they had the turnover, they couldn't capitalize on it. The Michigan offense was sputtering. He was kind of the question mark for a lot of the, the offense of Michigan. He knew about the size in the running game, but when they needed to fourth down in his own territory, he gets the touchdown scores in overtime. And, you know, the legacy for McCarthy at Michigan keeps growing. I think that's the, the biggest thing. And what I kept going back to watching both those games last night is obviously in, in the playoff and then going to the next level, it always matters in those moments who your quarterback is. And he showed why he has the chops to be mentioned in the first round. And, and he really kind of calmed the offense. And, and mm-hmm. they went through the running game. They were really balanced. They were hitting passes in the middle of the field. And um, it just kind of showed, man, I thought Milrow might pick that up and try to Vince Young it a little bit, you know, fake throw and then run to the corner. But mm-hmm. I just I, – I think they were rushed in a way that an Alabama team usually isn't because they were trying to make up for – inefficiencies that we are not used to this team having. Well, I would also say that, I mean, this was not, and I think Saban would admit this privately too, this is not a Bama-loaded team like the past. Like, it's kind of incredible they made it here. And if one one thing that stood out yesterday, Brandon, was how upset Georgia must be. Because you could argue, I might argue they're still the best (laughs) team in the country, right? Like, if they were in this four, I might pick them as the favorite. But, you know, Bama getting here without, without the horses that they've had in the past and, uh, you know, d- did give us what I think you, you would probably agree with, our most wide-open playoff to date, and I think we saw it in the games yesterday. Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of bemoan NIL and transfer portal and everything else, but I think this is the, the kind of unsung benefit of that is that the Alabama players that normally, you know, were locks to be in Tuscaloosa, that talent spread out a little bit more evenly, and that's not to say they won't have five-star after yeah. five-star there. They they have proven they can do that over and over again. But what we saw was a more even field because of the potential to move around that wasn't there five years ago. Well, Michigan gets the win there. Uh, The late game saw Washington beat Texas in a game that had a lot of drama late. Before we get to that, incredible scenes at that game. You know, we even had Bevo there, which is nice to see a live steer on the sideline. (laughs) Uh, But it it started, and until the very end, the number one story in this game, Brennan, was it was the Michael Penix show. I mean, he was electric again and again as an underdog, which seems to be the role these Huskies like. It just, it blew my mind, man, watching him just, he he was on a different level. He was hitting the guys in stride. He was throwing in the tight windows. He was just on a rope for some of those touchdowns. It was like one of the most impressive bowl quarterback performances I've ever seen. And the nice thing you get to see in that is the Huskies have three for almost first-round NFL-caliber wide receivers, and mm-hmm. all three of them were huge in this game. And that's exactly what you want to see in a, at a platform like that and a level like that. You get the playmakers going, and you get the ball yeah. in their hands, and that's exactly what they did. Yeah, I, it's, so, it's so strange to think about this, but I don't think Texas played that bad. Like, I don't think it was a bad performance by them. I think, if anything, they stopped the run more than, you know, Washington couldn't run the ball. 
Penix was just that good. Even on the other side, you could say, look, the turnovers, right? That was the difference in the game, but right. you were, could have played a little better. It's, you know, look, sometimes greatness beats good, and that's what we saw last night, uh, you know, up until the very end. But you have to tip your cap to Washington. It's like they're they're almost <laughs> they're, they're a near-perfect team until they have to play with a lead in the fourth quarter. <laughs> that's, uh, you know, you put a Pac-12 team, and they still are for at least another week or so. Yeah. Uh, in a game that ends after midnight, and it's going to be crazy every time, man. But yeah. that's the difference is I think Ewers left everything out there, too. He was making great throws, but when Penix looks like Superman, it's you're going to get compared to that, and it's it's just tough because Washington just made more plays at the end, and Sark didn't really have an answer on that uh, drive yeah. besides that long bomb at the end of the game. Right, and I definitely think that the end of that game, and it was a fluke thing with the injury that adds time to the clock and, and DeBoer with time. You know, you could have needed, I guess, and you just run the clock down. Texas would have had the ball, but that is such a fluke thing that your running back gets injured, so that's what stops the clock. But, hey, it's college football, and it's a Pac-12 team. I think, and, and that's the fun thing about this, man, is, is year after year, you know, we look at it last year. C.J. Stroud kind of announced himself um, in that, category and, and Penix did the same thing last night and that's what's fun is watching these quarterbacks get that next level and, and become who you think they can be because they're you know just inspired by the moment and they just turn in all-time performances and it feels like we're getting that every year it's fun it's very fun the title game is next week I'll say this much the line's four and a half points for Michigan I will absolutely be hammering, not just because I dislike Michigan, but anything under a field, every, anything over a field goal, I think is a clear Washington bet to me. No, I couldn't agree more, man. I just always, it, it's who's the best quarterback at the time, who's playing the hottest. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we're kind of short in Washington secondary, and they weathered a couple injuries in that game, but yeah. they're great too. And mm-hmm. if the Huskies can kind of limit quorum and put the ball back in McCarthy's hands, that's what's going to determine that game. Yeah, Michigan wins this game and probably does win this game if they just run the ball, time of possession, keep Penix on the sideline, big, heavy, big boy drives. But we know Penix can score, so I'm very fascinated in that one. Uh, Brendan Smith here on the Money Mitch Effect, turning our attention to the pro game. Off the off of my spirits for a little bit because this Joe Flacco <laughs> thing is out of control. Buddy, he's, <laughs> he, he's just a surgeon, man. He's back to elite. I mean, the number of teams he has more touchdown passes than, and I know they're the bottom of the NFL, but it's still crazy given how little he's played this year and what's happened. And I know the Browns came up short on their division push because of the Ravens, which we'll get to. But giving the team and, you know, my hometown, giving the city, which I was just in, that buzz and that chance. I mean, going into the playoffs, you'd have to think, given the uncertainties of some of the other teams, maybe more than half of the other playoff teams, the Browns are kind of a live dog, right? I totally agree, man. I, I think, you know, obviously we're we're both biased in certain ways, but I truly think because of the veteran play in the NFC the Rams are getting from Stafford and in the AFC the Browns are getting from Flacco, it, nobody wants to play those teams right now. They're not on the juggernaut level, the 49ers or the Ravens, but both of them are kind of – they've they found a pass rush. They can lean a little bit on the run. They're making big plays with their elder statesman quarterbacks and – I don't know, man. They're they're both scary right now. And the yeah. Browns with that pass rush, that's what you need at the the final two minutes of both halves in the playoffs. Yeah. That's what you want. Yeah, the concern being obviously Cooper after his historic day in Houston did not play the short rest with the heel. We hope he's okay there. 
Elijah Moore had a scary concussion. You know, the Browns offense really, you know, they were up big and nothing happened in the second half. But, you know, getting those receivers healthy and Joku's been a stud, his best NFL year by a mile. But it really is the defense, too, that needs more credit. And it's a Jim Schwartz defense, but it's also the, the way they drafted Brennan and the way they got corners and their secondary right first, I think is kind of the modern day NFL approach to it. So I'm pretty pumped to see where this goes. Now in the AFC, it's going to go through the Ravens. Because, look, as another rival of mine, like, you can't hate on what they're doing because they just, every week it seems, they line up a team across from them that is a Super Bowl, you know, AFC contender, NFC contender, Super Bowl contender, and they just mow them down mercilessly. And it happened again against yeah. the Dolphins. And, and and they've found another gear in this offense. When, when you look at these Ravens teams have been great since Lamar has been there, but it's been a lot of he's running the ball, uh, Gus Edwards is getting a, a few carries, and then he's thrown it to Mark Andrews. And I think, honestly, I, I love Mark Andrews, but his injury has opened up the offense in a way that I'm not sure if he was out there, it would open up. And that's not to slight him whatsoever, but now they're hitting, and Lamar is looking at every area of the field instead of just bailing it out to his favorite target. And Likely's emerging, and Flowers is great, and they're finding another gear at exactly the right time, and not to mention that the defense is playing at another level with Hamilton and all those other guys just kind of balling out. So, Yeah, it took a little bit of time, and I know they have a great record, but the Munkin offense, the Todd Munkin offense to adjust naturally, but for me, it's, you know, the, the two things with them, obviously Lamar is the MVP right now. It's non-negotiable for me. For sure. The two biggest things were the, the Zay Flowers piece, and likely picking up right where Andrews left off with, with those two exactly. things happening. It just, you know, it puts them in a class of their own. I mean, I know they probably wouldn't want to see the Browns three times because of the division thing, but they definitely don't fear anyone, and they've had that right. And, you know, you look at some of the other AFC playoff picture thing, it's kind of, and we're going to get to that at the end, but it's really messy. Given that the Dolphins lose that game, the Bills win, they have a showdown coming up. Uh, there is, you know, the, I guess the Chiefs, would you say it's a backdoor into the AFC West? I mean, it's... One of the worst chief seasons, maybe the worst chief season in like a decade, and yet here we are with them hoisting another division I, title. I think that's just the the classic kind of hubris is the the defense is picking up where some of the offensive production that's that's walked out the door uh, with Tyreek Hill or kind of a down year from Travis Kelsey as opposed to his usual uh, mm-hmm. sterling reputation. But it, it still doesn't make up for you just have these receivers and these receivers are going to be who they are now. They're going to be who they are in the playoffs. And Patrick Mahomes can only elevate that so much. Yeah. And once you're talking about Chiefs versus Ravens, when you have an Achilles heel like that, that's who, who's going to be the go-to guy like with those old Patriots teams. They didn't have a lot of names, but who is going to be the guy in the playoffs that steps up and there still hasn't been anybody answering the call yet. Yeah, and I think another point I agree with, and it's it's the easiest you know it's the easiest way to look at it, right? And I fully agree. Like the Chiefs receivers aren't good. We see it. We watch it every Sunday. They also never really built up the running game like to be a true right. staple, and we've seen that in the past with especially some Patriots teams that have just you know camouflaged in the past and became that. But you know, yeah, their division is two fired coaches and uh, the Russell Wilson situation, which was a little peculiar to say the least, but. I yeah. think we kind of all saw that a breakup, a divorce was going to happen, but happening when you're still mathematically alive in the playoffs was the interesting <laughs> part of it. Yeah, that's uh, it's the Sean Payton era in in Denver now, and and we'll see where that goes. But you know that there's going to be turnover with the Chargers. Um, he'll be there for another year. The Chiefs are the Chiefs, so 
And the Raiders under Antonio Pierce have, have found some life, if not evened out a little bit the last couple of weeks. But, um, yeah. it, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they start over, especially with some of the quarterbacks we watched yesterday. It, which direction are they going moving yeah. forward? I know it pains you to compliment Pierce, so. You got it. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Uh, I'll slide him one credit where it's due, but yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, on, on happier notes, right. I mean, the Rams win that game, but it wasn't obviously their best performance and there's some things to work on like special teams, for example, but uh, they win, they get to the playoffs and it really speaks volumes about McVay. I think as a coach, you, you know, you can talk about the strengths of, you know, getting Puka Nakua and getting, Kyron Williams to the team and, and hitting absolute dimes on late round draft picks. But I look at it from the coaching standpoint, Brennan, this was a three and six football team that is clinching for the playoffs. So say what you want about the roster construction and the state of the NFC. It takes real coaching skill to pull the team together and keep them fighting like McVay did. And it's, it's obviously like I, I follow this team closely and it's so cheesy to say this, but they honestly are playing together and for each other in a way that I haven't seen from a Rams team, especially not last year. But even in the Super Bowl uh, roster, there's just it, it just feels like these guys are selling out and, and trying to play for each other in a way that I haven't seen recently. And, and they've been smart about. Aaron Donald's kind of had not as many snaps as he's had. They've saved him for the playoff run a little bit. Uh, they've gotten a ton out of the veteran additions that they made, really savvy additions. And like you said, man, it's uh, you can tell McVay's enjoying this in a way that he didn't enjoy last year. Um, and they've just been lucky with health, too. The offensive line last year was decimated. This year they've kind of played above what their standard might be, and, and Stafford has just been playing out of his mind. So obviously the cross-country – trip I think is maybe more of an aberration because you're going from LA to New York but um, yeah it's it's kind of the same thing with the Browns again I I don't know if any NFC team wants to be playing the Rams in the next couple of weeks in the playoffs especially maybe a homecoming in Detroit which would be I mean like Browns Ravens and and Rams Lions are like my two big wish list games for Uh, obvious storyline reasons but no, I, I agree with what you're saying. And look, it is a down conference, and we all know that. But the Rams are, are sure. again, like the Browns, a live dog, and they have a, a chance to you know get hot. And there's enough champions in that locker room still that know what it's like to go on a run, so that part's good. Uh, we should mention the Saturday night game, that Cowboys-Lions game. And for everything that yeah. had to be talked about with the ending, I thought the game itself was played at, again, a pretty high level. You know, there were Absolutely. mistakes here or there. There were some great throwing plays. Dak is having his best season as a pro. The Lions were in it to win it. But that ending and that, that you know, there, every variable of that was perfect. Like, like you have McCarthy's <laughs> clock management. And you have Campbell just going for it three times. And, of course, obviously, the reporting situation that, you know, seems like the refs messed up. But it it's definitely a complicated issue. And I just think that, again, the drama delivers for the Lions – there were real stakes in that. Like they had a chance to now with the Eagles lost play for the two scene that appears to right. be in dire straits. Yeah. And, and listen, I, I love Dan Campbell. If he's winning two games or 12 games, he's the same guy, you know, he believes in what the, he going for it and, and making sure that his guys are at the forefront of whatever they're doing. But that, that is tough. And that's kind of the, the coaches that have that, significant playoff experience or they've been to a few games maybe they're a little more conservative in that situation and and you know after the first time 
you're all in after the second time you're like ah maybe and after the third time you're like oh okay you know that's it's uh going all out and trying to get that two-point conversion when you probably could have played for another down but um you know and, and the cowboys the thing that's uh the commitment to tony pollard when the run game isn't really working quite right when you have cd lamb and and ferguson has played well and and Dak is is also kind of slinging it right now it's it's going to be interesting to see uh, how those tendencies and how those coaching decisions start to bear out in the NFC because there is such a huge difference, I think, between the 49ers and everybody else right now that coaching decisions like that in tight situations yeah. are going to determine a lot of these playoffs. 100%. Also, Dallas's discrepancy home and the road is huge, and that game would be again yeah. in San Francisco. So, uh, But look, if Dallas, you know, we, the door was open, which we'll get to right next, but if Dallas gets that two seed at home and it's, you know, two playoff games at home before having to go on the road and they're in the NFC championship game, that's a huge accomplishment for them given the state of it and the fact of the matter of how well they play at home. But uh, yeah, sure. the Eagles losing to the Cardinals though. I mean, what, what happened to the Philadelphia Eagles would be my next point because they were rolling when they won that chiefs game, they were, you know, tied for best record in the league. And then it's all gone horribly wrong. It's happened mostly on the defensive side, but there's also some weird execution things going on on offense that aren't in sync in the end of game and play calling and you know we can just pin it all on Matt Patricia if you'd like but I also watch this team play and I think man what is their identity what what's their culture like and I'm not really seeing it right now that's exactly what it is man and, and you go back to this the Super Bowl team and it was an offensive line that was dominant a defensive front seven that could get after anybody and, and cause pressure and then A.J. Brown being A.J. Brown with the complement of Devontae Smith. And right now it just feels like none of that is really emerging. And it, it does I, – I, it speaks to your coordinators and, and who's running the show from the sidelines because it, it seems like there's not really a, a lead dog right now that they normally have that says, okay, we're doing this, we're going in this direction, and this is going to define us going into the most important part of the year, and they're struggling for it. Yeah, it was like 29 points in the second half. I, I think the Cardinals may have scored on just about every possession. It was you know, not even really that close. And yeah, the Nick Sirianni piece of this is he is somebody that's very brash. Some would say outgoing and passionate. Others might say corny at times too. That wears really thin. You know, It's great when you're winning. It wears thin quickly when you're losing. So I could see the anger sharks turning on him in uh, Philadelphia. And it's just an interesting situation too because – you know, we mentioned these teams, right? Like the Lions and the Niners and, you know, the Rams playing better, obviously, Cowboys. But the Eagles are still, you know, in a five-seed spot or, or two, depending on what happens. But, look, I mean, they could still be a team that you think with the talent on their roster that they should contend a little bit. No, absolutely. And, that, and that's – I'm never counting them out because they hit on drafts. They've still got a good offensive line. They've got leaders in that locker room. I, I think it's just a matter of, Jalen Hurts has got to hit another gear and he's got to just take, start to take games over. And I, I don't necessarily know if they have the run game to help balance that out. And that is going to be a huge problem with the teams they're going to have to play in the NFC, uh, with keeping the ball away from the opposing quarterbacks and rushing them. They're, they're just not doing enough on the front seven that was so good last year to compensate for the injuries they've had in the secondary and the, the general talent discrepancy between those two units 
and it's not going to magically get better in the toughest part of the year. So they've got to figure it out quickly. Well, Brennan Smith here on the Money Mitch Effect. We're going to wrap with just looking at Week 18's games and uh, a lot of playoff scenarios and possibilities to uh, go over some Saturday football going into Sunday, which is interesting, you know, because I know they're trying to do it to where they don't have a lot of overlap, but we've got a lot Saturday already. And uh, the game that I dreaded all year in this situation for the last three <laughs> weeks is actually happening. The Steelers playing for their playoffs li- playoff lives against a Ravens team that has no motivation to play anyone. So mm-hmm. part of me is just hoping, praying, praying for an olive branch with Baltimore that they get that killer instinct in them to maybe go for it. <laughs> I don't know how much Lamar we're going to see, but these games, Brennan, I would say, are always closer than they appear. And Pittsburgh, as yep. much as they've been you know, fighting all year, given the QB issues especially, there's no lock that they win this game. That's all I'm going to say. No, exactly. And, and you and I both know that AFC North is, is rough and tumble. Nobody ever takes any days off and they just beat the hell out of each other going into the playoffs, uh, whether, whatever the situation is. And that's ultimately, do the Steelers get enough out of their run game and can they make enough plays with the, the backup quarterback to be in that conversation and get over the line? But I, you know, that's, I, I think the Ravens still have enough talent, even if they're not. Uh, with Lamar to, to keep that close. It's just a matter of who's more motivated and uh, in either keeping them out or getting in. We have essentially an elimination game. I think it pretty much is a straight elimination game, right? Colts and Texans. Loser is yeah. officially yeah. done. Wow. How do you see this one going then? Man, I just like, I, I've, I love CJ Stroud and I'd love to see him in the playoffs that quickly, but the Colts, it feels like nobody's talking about the Colts or the, the coaching job that's been done there. And I, I think there's enough uh, with the Colts and, and there's enough consistency and um, overall just that, that coaching level to get them over the finish line. I, I believe in the sky high potential of the Texans moving forward, but yep. you know, Jonathan Taylor's got to come on that, that defense is really solid and uh, they've, they've got Minshew playing well enough that I think they can balance everything out and, and uh, probably win that game. These guys might be, you know, all due respect to our coaches, but one, two, and coach of the year voting when it's all said and done, 100%. given the job that they've done with the expectations season-wise. Um, I would say the ceiling's higher for the Texans, but I'd take the home team in this one, given the Colts yep. and the roster. And we'll see, though. The ceiling's higher because of C.J. Stroud, and he looked like he was back last week pretty good. Uh, Jaguars play the first, you know, 10 a.m. game on my list here, uh, West Coast time for Sunday. And, you know, Jaguars have to win. Right, they win in their they they win in their end. We know that that's going to happen, but they could keep that door open for the Steelers Bills action, which we'll get to. But they're playing a Titans team that it has not gone well for them, but they still have a guy in Mike Vrabel who, like you saw it today, like he does not want to lose. So, given the state of the Jaguars, this would be on my trap watch for sure. One hundred percent, and that this of anything that's on the slate in Week Eighteen, this feels like we're going to sell out and do our damnedest to keep that other team out if we're not going and. The Jaguars were on the other side of this literally last year with the Colts to keep the Colts out of the playoffs. Um, so they know what the, the other side of this is. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see, especially how Trevor Lawrence's health has been. He's gutted out so many of these games. And yeah. they have a lot of talent on offense. But, um, yeah, the, the Titans are going to come out and punch them in the mouth. And I, I, I think they'll get it done, but it's to- wholly dependent on yeah. – especially if ETN can run the ball and um, if they can spread the ball around a little bit and get some pressure on the Titans. 
Well, the NFC South, and I'm doing this by division now, and I'm looking at it this way, so the Bucks blew their chance to clinch the division last week. They get another one against the Panthers in Carolina. It's an interesting week for Carolina, obviously. Uh, the fact that the Falcons are still alive is crazy to me, but that just says a lot about it. The Saints can win, not get the division, but still be alive in the wild card. The Bucks have to win the division, though, right? Like, they can't. This would be catastrophic, losing to the, to the worst team in the league, Week 18. Yeah, I I don't even think that's a possibility. They've got to win that game. The Panthers are just, they're just down, man. I, and especially obviously what happened uh, in the owner's box last week. It's just, yeah, they're, they're ready for Cabo, man. They're ready yeah. to, to start over. And um, obviously the, the saints are the hottest team right now. And, and Carr has played really well recently. Um, it's funny because if you listen to people talking about the Falcons, you think they were Owen 16, but uh, they're still in the mix, and they still have the offensive talent to get there. It's just a matter of, you know, the Buccaneers are playing the Panthers, and I, I don't think you need to think about it any harder than that. No, you definitely shouldn't. <laughs> uh, I try to, we try to keep it simple here, too. But I know, I guess for the, for the seventh seed, do you see it going pretty straightforward like the Packers win? You know, they win that game, and they get all the way in. They You know, the Bears have been playing a lot better, which is why I bring that up. But if the Packers were to lose – then it's all hands on deck chaos for that seven seed. Yeah, I, I think that having that destiny and, and you have a, a season coach in the floor with the playoff runs they've had, that's going to help steady them enough, I think, to, to get over the hump and get that seed. And, you know, Jordan Love has played really well recently. Speaking of young pass catchers that are, that are stepping up, obviously the read injury hurts, but it feels like they're kind of starting to put some things together. And uh, defensively, I think they have enough to limit Justin Fields and um, they they know what's in front of them. They know they can get there, and I I think that's enough in this this case. Yeah, the Saints would also need the Seahawks to lose. I mean, I think the Vikings are in that list as well, which kind of makes it <laughs> interesting. Minnesota blowing their chance last week. It's just it's total anarchy in that position. But I will say, you know, we've seen upsets in this in this situation. Jordan Love playing a lot better. The Seahawks kind of falling out of it was uh, tough. I guess we losing that game to Pittsburgh. I think they're going to do the reset, and I actually do think quarterback's going to be where they start. I, I agree, man. I, you, you look around in the NFC West and then uh, everywhere at large, and, and Gino has, has been awesome, and, and he uh, was such a good story last year. But you look at the ceiling of the quarterbacks that are on the roster right now and where Pete Carroll is in his career – and they can't really play caretaker quarterback anymore. They need somebody with a little bit higher upside, and I think that's where it's got to start because you look at the 49ers where they are. The Rams have uh, hit on those draft classes, and, he, and the Cardinals are going to have really high picks plus uh, healthy Kyler Murray next year. And um, it's, it's just kind of time to start over there. And, and again, <laughs> yeah. hat tip Geno, but that's, yeah. uh, that's the name of the game. Well, would there be anything more 2023 NFL season than the Bills-Dolphins Sunday night game being Buffalo playing for the two-seat or being out of the playoffs? Because there's Isn't a realistic amazing, possibility that that happens if Jacksonville and Pittsburgh win. That's that's unreal. And it's it's two teams like the Bills are so Jekyll and Hyde right now. And I thought two weeks ago when they just came out and looked, they were hitting on everything, every cylinder they were doing well. And then last week it's kind of like, what? where did that team go again? Um, you're going to need the Josh Allen heroics and the Dolphins know where they're at. They just, they have those huge injuries that, on that's the, the, the thing. front. That's seven the thing, that's man. Hold them back. Yeah. I would have, I would have been ready to pick Dolphins today pretty uh -huh. clearly four or five days ago, regardless right. of all the scenarios and outcomes. 
I mean, Bradley Chubb, which you can clearly have a discussion about why he's in the game down 30, but, um, you know, that injury, Phil, you know, Phillips is out. Like, there's just so much there, the receivers too. And I know I'm, I know I'm playing with fire with Buffalo because they are Jekyll and Hyde, as you said, but I think the consistency and how this rivalry has gone, not just this year, but in the past, I like Buffalo in this one. I agree. Totally. And then that's exactly what it comes down to is you have so much, so many injuries on the front seven and you need to either contain Allen or have somebody that can bring him down and it, he'll kill you if you have, if you're sending extra blitzers and he has a little bit of time uh, to move around and, and look downfield. And that's, that's what the problem is now is trying to manufacture that against a quarterback like him um, is going to be a struggle. Well, it's insane. We got the football season finishing up. The Browns are in a meaningless week 18 game with a playoff position pick. It's like crazy <laughs> to me, but uh, no, it's, it's exciting looking ahead to the 2024 playoffs and, and what we have in store. But Brendan Smith, always a pleasure talking football with you. It uh, won't be the last time for sure. Uh, but thanks for no, coming on have, the Money Mitch Effect. Of course, man. We have a blast. Got some good football left. And everybody enjoy it because it's uh, running out of uh, those Saturdays and Sundays. And it's going to be a long, cold winter. So let's uh, soak this in. Let's definitely soak it in. That was Brendan Smith on the Money Mitch Effect. This podcast is on all your podcast platforms. Go to Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21 and check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page as well. We're back next week. More football to discuss. We'll have the final playoff picture in the NFL and react to the college football national championship game. You're not going to want to miss that. For Brendan Smith, my name is Mitch Michaels. Thank you for listening to the Money Mitch Effect. And keep enjoying sports.